0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: One
2: night.
4: So, yeah. <laughs> uh good afternoon and welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. It is Friday and I am joined as always by Tony Haggerty. How you doing, Tony?
5: I'm very well yourself, Laura. Uh
4: not too bad. We're joined uh down under uh, from down under by um Jared. How you doing, Jared?
3: Yeah, brilliant, Laura. Everything's uh, uh... Ridiculous time over here. Can't wait for you guys to go off your daylight savings us to go. I'd go on to daylight savings us to go off it, and then it'll be better time zones as well for <laughs> these the games. Everyone hanging out for that, but
4: I, I get to- totally confused with the time zones. But fair play to you, I have to say for for staying up late for us or whatever it is, getting up early. I don't even know. <laughs> no, really. Um, but uh good to have you on, and we've got plenty to discuss. Um, the first. First thing we've got to discuss, Jared, I don't know if it will be completely your cup of tea, but I thought we'd better mention it. Tony, obviously um, last night we had Greg Taylor and um, and Callum McGregor taking part in the match for Scotland against Poland. Um, obviously, not the match we thought we'd be playing last night, but due to circumstances out of everybody's control, um obviously we were not playing Ukraine and Poland were not playing Russia, so uh the two countries got together to raise some money for for aid in Ukraine. Uh from a Celtic supporter's point of view, saw a lot of texts going back and forth uh last night, sort of concerned at the fact that McGregor and Taylor were featuring, you know, we we would rather them have a rest in the in the lead up to this crucial part of the end of the season. How are you feeling about seeing them featured? Are you one of these people that it's you know good for them to keep keep up the match sharpness and get games under their, their, their belts or or would you rather have seen them given a break?
5: Selfishly you want to see them given a break, but mm-hmm. you go with the manager on it. The manager says that playing international football is the pinnacle of a player's career and you can't stop that. And if Steve Clark picks them and plays them, you you have to go with that. I was more concerned at the fact that the friendly, friendly, had an edge, and guys were steaming in. That's what I get more concerned about. It wasn't, yeah. your, it wasn't your kind of, uh, you know, pre-season, type game. Well, people no. were all about and nobody challenged. I was like, oh my goodness! And then you thought the way Celtic's luck's been going all season, especially during international breaks, you were just waiting on somebody careering into McGregor or Taylor. Thankfully, what well, McGregor played seventy six, Taylor played sixty six minutes. He seems yeah. to have come a bit unscathed, but also good for the fitness levels. At uh, a uh, friendly was pretty high tempo and keeps them ticking over. But yeah, I mean, you you can't. I've seen before you can't stop players from representing their country. They want to do it, and if the national manager picks them, then fine. And you only have to canvass the opinion of our own club manager, who was once the national manager. Of, of Jared's country and had and has been the most successful manager of Australia and head coach of Australian national team. So you know his thoughts on it. So if players are picked from Celtic to represent their country, you can't stop it. I'm all for it. You run the risk every time they take to the football field or getting injured, whether it's for a club or country. So what can you do about it? And I think players themselves want to represent their country. That's, a, that's the big thing too for them. So yeah, you, you have to run with it. But as I say, when when I saw they were in the starting lineup, I was kind of like, mm, okay, was there any need for it? So be it. But. Uh, I was more concerned when I saw the tempo of the game, because I was sitting like, oh, no, this something awry going to happen. But no, thankfully it didn't.
4: Yeah, I saw a couple of near square goes between Grant Hanley and the Polish centre half, <laughs> whose name escapes me at the moment. But yeah, there there was some tasty challenges going on, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, disappointing to concede the penalty at the end and, and not keep that winning run going. But, you know, it's a friendly, after all. We've got to save ourselves for the important matches, regardless of what happens. Um, Jared Tony mentioned them, um, Ange Postecoglou, obviously one of the most successful Socceroos managers of all time. Uh, for for Australia, though, uh, it wasn't so. It wasn't so um, good. Obviously, playing in that World Cup qualifier and what I deemed or what I called the Ange Derby against Japan. So. Um, how are you feeling now that, that Australia are obviously gonna to have to maybe take an extra step to try and get there?
3: Um, trying not to sound too, you know, controversial. Graham Arnold needs sacked. Um, <laughs> I never rated him anyway. But yeah, it's um let's just say it's disappointing considering conceding two goals late, but we had to pick up three points against Japan because Saudi Arabia were going to win their game anyway against China. So they guarantee themselves qualification. So then it was down to us and Japan we had to win that game. The fact that we didn't and that we also bottled it against Japan over there earlier in the qualification process, we made our bed. We've got a line at, at the end of the day. It's um, disappointing, but still a chance. But going through the playoffs is going to be an absolute nightmare. Or to use a good Aussie Aussie term, it's going to be a dog's breakfast getting through that.
5: <laughs> Jared, am i in right thinking that it could be the United Arab Emirates first, and then maybe Peru, Colombia, Chile, something like that. Is that?
3: Yeah, it's supposed to be uh, not Arab Emirates, so them over, and I think we're playing Doha, and then four days later or something like that. It's the fifth-ranked um, South American one, so yeah, yeah, if it's Chile or Peru or Colombia, that's just called ball game. Um, <laughs> it's Ecuador or someone like that or Uruguay where I'd say it's a 50-50 could go either way because we've beaten those countries before. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'd love in a way though for us to get through and it's against Colombia and then they have to play Morales. Like That would be absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> just for banter reasons only. But, yeah, it's not ideal. The Japanese squad, they're just unbelievable. I was talking to Liam who's on our pod, who's based over in Japan, and he was just saying, like, that's the best that he's seen the Japanese team play in a good five years or so plus. So they were just on fire last night. The fact we lost 2-0 could have got battered probably, you know, four or five easily.
4: Listen, the, the way things are going, we might all be um, honorary Japanese supporters if, if Scotland and Australia don't get there, given the, the Celtic contingent that's going to be in the team. I don't know what the chances are of all four of them getting called up, but certainly there will be a decent bunch of them there. And it might be a, ch- a chance for Celtic supporters to, to get behind a team, even if their their own country isn't there. So we'll wait and see. Um, Jared... Before before I go back to Tony, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Obviously, it's been a few weeks since you've you've been on with us on a Friday, and um just wanted to get your overall thoughts on the, the season so far and how things are panning out. Like the last time I spoke to you, um you had said that things were looking up for Ange in a way that was quicker than his normal kind of timeline, and that, that he seems to have turned things around at Celtic a lot quicker than he normally does. What are you thinking as things are going on? Are you are you still encouraged by what you're seeing, or have you seen a plateau in some of the ways that we've been playing?
3: I think any any Celtic fan who says the way we've been playing over the last month, and so if they w- walking around saying that that's the Ange ball we saw at the start of the season, they're, they're lying. The games we haven't been we have been missing that cutting edge, but overall, just in general speak here. We're picking up the points. The other mob are dropping points. At the end of the day, where he we set it up really nicely. And the thing that I'm scared for with Anjo is that now he's going to have too many options. Once Kyogo's goes back and you've got your Jota back and your Forrest comes back, he's going to have two guys for a position. When does a Celtic manager have those options? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, what, that's the main thing for him. He's got to manage it.
5: It's a good thing, though, surely.
3: Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all. i have been talking about that for ages. Like We want to have options. You want to be too deep at every position. That's just a lot further along in that than I thought we'd be.
5: That's why we leave it up to the manager to decide who plays.
3: Exactly. Horses for courses. It's a squad game for us now. Very really much so.
4: Well, Tony, I was going to put that point to you. Actually, Jared raises a good point that potentially, you know, the squad being back to full strength will have a plethora of options that we haven't had for a long time in terms of the squad. I think, you know, and feel free to agree or disagree on this one, but I think Ange has shown that actually his preference is to be able to swap people in and out and have that squad game going, and that, you know, actually more options for him should be a strength.
5: Yeah, he likes to rotate, doesn't he? Just because one team plays... A certain eleven plays one week; it's not necessarily going to be the same eleven that plays the following week, and you have to say, recently he's called it spot on. You know, from Livingston going there and playing near Beaton at centre mid, and he had a great game, and he's not featured since. You know, I've said that I like that phrase as well—the kind of horses for courses nature of it. You know, the manager knows best, doesn't he? And. Mm-hmm. Every week, after have to try and second-guess him and pick an 11. And it's, it's an arduous task, you know. I do, know, I do not too bad, because he's trying to get in, try and enter into the mindset of him. And I've kind of adopted that rotation, horses for courses thing, myself when I'm picking teams. But yeah, he, he clearly knows what he wants, game by game, and who he wants to perform in the roles. You know, so there's lots of speculation that Kyogo might come back for Ibrox, right? That's the latest. No. And and all throughout the season, the manager's throwing curveballs. Would you throw him in at the expense of Jackie Marcus at this moment in time? I don't think so. But would you put it past him? If you thought Kyogo was fit and he could do a certain job, like he said at the cup final when Kyogo was supposedly injured, good luck trying to stop him from playing. He'd have snuck Mm -hmm. on the team or he would have snuck on the park. That's the kind of manager he is. You know, sometimes takes a uh, uh, high risk for high reward, so I, I don't know w- would he do that? If Yogo does prove his fitness to him before Ibrox, would he bring him in? I, I would, You're inclined to say no, he probably wouldn't. He'll, he'll go with Georges Jack and Marcus. but you know, it's, it's Ante postacoglo rotations, his middle name, So and, and he, ha- he always has a reason behind it, so uh, at this moment in time, I, I would trust his judgement implicitly on team selection and he does throw in curveballs and surprises doesn't he?
4: It absolutely does. It, it's something I wanted to get your thoughts on, Tony. Actually, there's been, you know, Celtic put out a, an interview just this morning with with Ange, and then obviously there was the big feature that um, that uh, I think is it Optus Sport over in Australia. Mm-hmm. I might have got that wrong, but but Mark Schwarzer was was interviewing him, a mm-hmm. fifty minute interview on YouTube for anybody who's not had a chance to see it. It's it's really interesting watching, Tony. Do these insights and this 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 contact that he's having with the media and, and the content that's getting out there, does it help you understand them anymore, or does it raise more questions for you? Like, I'm interested to hear your thoughts as somebody who's having to, you know, absorb all this and write about it for your job.
5: I, uh, I think one thing, and Jared will certainly know this. He's very comfortable amongst his own folk, isn't he? Which is mm-hmm. natural, right? These guys have developed a rapport with them. They've been with them. Schwarzer was his goalkeeper for the Australian National So he was very relaxed. Even the front bar interview that he gave, which was great. He yeah. saw the humour. He saw the Aussie humour there. And he was great for him then. But, and I fully expect that. Now, we're getting to know him as much as he's getting to know us. But that humour's coming out as we move along. And it's great to see. I think he's more relaxed. I think he's very comfortable in his own skin now. You know, and, and and I've said before, we'll be either press guy that asks a stupid question. <laughs> you, know, you know, did you lack a spark against Hibs? Is this working? You know that kind of thing. Uh, fine, but I'll take that all day long. It won't stop me from asking questions. I think when you do stuff like that, you you get to know him. You get to know his character, and uh, you know the Swatzer interview was great because he just he just seemed so relaxed we mm-hmm. along for the day when the Scottish contingent can sit down with him and he does that for like 50 minutes an hour, you know, and we'll get there. The longer he stays, well, Jar is laughing, maybe not get there. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's kind of ideal because he, he does open up and he's got a lot to say and when he speaks, you listen intently. I always think yeah. that great interviewees are the ones where you go and you ask questions and you, you learn something new, you learn something different get a wee bit of insight into the person or or the machinations or or the managerial process. And I you try and ask him questions that give you that kind of insight. I mean there was a day I asked him about what makes an Ange signing and he told me about Claire Fontaine mm-hmm. and what, going to see that system and the the coach event the French coach eventually getting sick of him asking questions and saying, Look, when you know you know so that that became his Kind of thing, And he would say, right, my, when my wife takes me shopping, she knows what to buy. I'm the same with footballers. I know what I'm looking for. I picture them in my team and all that. And it, it was brilliant insight. You know, and you're just like, all right, right. So that's the process behind. You know, he doesn't just think, Matt O'Reilly's a good player. I'll go and sign him because of that. He, he, there's a lot more rigorous process that goes into it, you know. So I, I like stuff like that. I like the fact that he talks about Ferenc Puskas, his father. All that kind of good stuff, just, just all stuff that's really, really interesting. Not the kind of you won today, you must be happy. Of course, he's happy they won, you know. So it's yeah. <laughs> of a question type thing, as you say. But and then you see, you saw the guys in the front bar who he, he just he he warms to people from Australia, obviously because they've they've got his back and they've been behind him from day one and following his journey. And Jared will tell you he's he's watched them from day one, so. He'll notice his demeanour in certain uh, press situations with Australians and, you know, the likes of myself. But I I love him. I think he's great value, regardless if he's hit me with a hook on the top of the head and saying, <laughs> you stupid boy, at least the stupid boy, if he listens, will learn. And I've, I've, yeah. I've opened my ears a lot when Angie's around and I've tended to zip that
4: Uh, Well, it's interesting stuff. As somebody who has been in his presence and had the pleasure of asking him a question, I'm, I'm totally aware that you do it with your uh you know, holding on to anything that you can, bracing yourself for the response, even if you think it's a reasonably sensible thing that you're asking them. But Jared, I'll get to you and Ange in a, a little second. I just wanted to say thanks to everybody for watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, wherever you're watching, uh, some of the comments coming in about the stuff we've already spoke to about spoke about. Johnny Ryan says Taylor played well for Scotland. He certainly did. Um, uh, Michael Quinn saying I'd never try and second guess Ange, neither would I. And uh, Michael Quinn also saying that he's already supporting Japan. Obviously, the Socceroos and Scotland as well. So, not that we're biased or anything, but you know, uh, we we know who we like and who we don't I, like. And that's, I don't want
5: that. to second guess Ange. I'm just asked to put out a team for every game, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, no, please no. <laughs>
4: Yeah, it's. Oh, it's. I, I. don't envy you that task. And um, Jared, I wanted to ask you. It's. It's. You know. It's interesting. Obviously, as Celtic supporters, we are. We are hoovering up any any content of Ange that comes. So, no matter where he's getting interviewed, what's happening, we are seeking it out. But as somebody who's living and and working in Australia and is aware of the media coverage over there, you know, we hear a lot over here that. Oh yeah, there's a big Celtic following in Australia, and people are keeping up to date with Ange. And you know how how big is that story in the sporting world in Australia just now? The success that he is having with Celtic is it is it as widely covered as we would like to think it is over there?
3: It's that's a hard one because <laughs> back page of the papers for the sport is AFL and NRL rugby league right. and local footy. Those are always the main kind of one in town. If the tennis is on, if the horse racing's on, those sort of things get a little bit of a play. Very rarely is it back page news. Mm -hmm. However, Ange has been on the back page in Melbourne once or twice. There's stories in there about Celtic you're seeing a lot more. You've got three or four of the main media guys over here that two years ago you'd get the odd thing, all right, little line in weekends things, Aussies abroad, they called it, and it would be, oh, uh, Tom Roggage played 18 minutes off the bench for Celtic in their 3-1 <laughs> win against Kilmarnock. That was it. That was what we were seeing then. Now we're getting full-on stories. There's Optus Sports who have a, a writer in Scotland who's doing a weekly article for them. You've got guys like Schwartz are going up to actually meet him. There's a lot more coverage, and long may it continue because – um, I'm eating it up I'm loving it and I can't wait for November even though there's a lot of people out there that don't think it should be happening can't wait to get in there and see my team play live in front of my eyes again
4: Well that Jared that's one thing I I, um, I wanted to talk to you about and Tony I'll, I'll get some of your thoughts on it because I know we haven't discussed it at great length just because it seems to have been covered elsewhere but Jared, we've obviously got an Australian on the show, somebody who's going to directly benefit from this tour that, that Celtic at present are still going on. Uh, and as, as far as I'm aware, that, that Rangers are still going on, even though there's discussion around that. You know, it's very easy to be sitting here um, with Celtic Park just 20 minutes away from my house. I can go to any game that I want to go to. I can, I, I can choose whether or not I'm there. I can choose how often I choose to be there. What is it like from your perspective, regardless of all the, you know, the political aspects of it or the, you know, the the annoyance of some fans at, at the commercial aspect of it? What is it like for you as an Australian to know that, that you're going to get a chance to see Celtic when they do come over?
3: That's where I'm jealous of you, Laura. You said it's 20 minutes for you to get to the game. For me, it's 20 <clears> minutes <throat> to the airport and then 24 hours on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> So flying, so flying an hour, and a, hour, hour and a half up to Sydney for a game is a hell of a lot easier. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. The one thing, I've got a bit of info that I don't know how well reported is over in Scotland on it, but I spoke to someone that I know that I used to work with who's working at the company putting on the the competition, right, the Sydney Super Cup. Celtic is the main event because of the Ange factor. That was the first team signed up and then they were mm-hmm. always going to have the Wanderers and Sydney FC as the local teams based in Sydney. Rangers are just being thrown in as an extra salon. Like, and they, their fans know it. And seeing their fans erupt is making a lot of people just relax what I'm seeing online. But for us, it's absolutely unbelievable because we haven't had Celtic Eddie since 2011. Like, Last time they were out here, I saw him play against Central Coast when Tom Rogic was at Central Coast, and I mm. saw him play against Melbourne Victory down here, and I'm there in my Celtic gear, and I told someone to sit down when she was yelling at Bruni for getting in her way of the thing, not realising that the person I told to sit down was there with my now wife, so <laughs> we were dating take <laughs> that even better then. So Celtic being in Australia, massive deal, and... As you can see in the uptake of tickets, a lot of tickets are sold, being sold. And the main issue that I can see, though, is I don't think the police in New South Wales know what's coming if Rangers come. The problem you've got is the main CSC bar at Sydney City is in Darling Harbour in town. Central Station, the other side of the station is where the Rangers Supporters Club is. We're all going to be mm-hmm. drinking all day for a night game to then get on these same trains to go out to Homebush, to the stadium is, to then walk in there. If anything is going to happen, it's going to be before or after the game on that train line, and that's the main issue from an an Australian point of view over here that I don't think they realise how big a possible issue that could be in terms of the football. Once you're in the stadium, you can sit there. There was a question earlier: Can you have a beer in the stadium? Yes, you can. So we'll be able to keep doing that, but then that creates the issues again after the game with the train line or getting or the cab rank or Ubers. It's all – everyone in the same area looking for the same thing, like 30-odd minutes out of the main town. That's where the issue is going to be, getting to and from the stadium from the main part of town and coming back. Like that's the one thing I have any concern about. It's not – yet. Personally, in terms of who we're playing, I'd rather we were playing anyone but Rangers, just because I can see some of the stuff in the comments here. I would prefer we weren't playing them, and the talk is the backup team that they are talking to if they pull out is AC Milan. If that happens, great, even better. But as far as I'm concerned, the info I've got, Celtic is definitely coming. The Sydney teams are definitely involved. Rangers were the add-on.
4: Yeah, uh, well, listen there are disadvantages to being a Celtic supporter in Australia. The advantage is that whatever you say on here isn't going to get you (laughs) shouted at in the street when you go outside. (laughs) Me and Tony can sometimes deal with that. But, um, Tony, Jared raised a lot of good points there. I think the point about, you know, the Australian police um, not knowing potentially what they've got to deal with with Celtic and Rangers supporters occupying the same uh, space is something that, you know, They can't really understand if it's not ingrained in their culture the way it is here, so I I get that. But looking at it from a wider sense, I've not offered my honest opinion on the whole tournament situation, so so this is it for me. Do I think there's any situation in which Celtic and Rangers should be playing a friendly? Absolutely not. Do I think that even though it's called a friendly, it'll be one? Still No. The, the only thing is, I would say, we're in 2022. Unfortunately, whether we like it or not, money is king. And I think an opportunity to make that money will override any objection that any supporter has got to what's going ahead. That's my honest opinion. Um, Tony, I'll hand over to you and, and say this. Are you are you conflicted? Because I have to say, sitting here listening to Jared talk about the opportunity to see Celtic, you know, not having the privilege that we have of living in the country where Celtic play, I'm conflicted between my personal objection to us being involved in a friendly tournament with Rangers and and seeing the opportunity there for Australian supporters to see their team. Where where do you sit on that whole debate?
5: Well, I originally wrote a piece saying that. I was kind of against it because of the Harlem Globetrotters nature of it. Mm -hmm. That was my, it was very much half and half scarves. But I don't deny Jared's right to see his football team. And it has been, it has been billed as Ange's homecoming. Celtic are the main attraction, as Jared has said. And so, and I think Ange wants the chance to take Celtic back to Australia. It would be a very proud moment for him. So, And also you, you nailed it there with the amount of money that's on offer. Celtic at this moment in time just can't afford to turn it down. Now whether or not Rangers play take part or decide to take part then that's, that's up to them. They're having all sorts of infighting about that and it'll come out in the wash and there might well be a different opponent come November, remember November's a long time away, but uh, this is a commercial venture for Celtic, sold on the premise that they have an Australian manager and Australian manager has going back to his homeland with the team that he manages, so I can understand uh, Jared being excited about that. I spoke to Scott McDonald as well, who said his, his young boy is beside himself at the thought that Celtic are uh, coming to play in his backyard, so you know Celtic have a massive support worldwide and you can't deny them the opportunity to see that the, the circumstances and the way it's come about you maybe have an issue with and the opponents you know and also now that Jared's raised some safety concerns uh yeah and you know with the, with the police not knowing what's coming or what's going to hit them then yeah of course that's a worry but I think the more this is brought out into the open and the public domain then, these are issues that will be addressed. Do I still expect to see Celtic play Rangers in a friendly in November? I'm not so sure and I think uh, the back phone will be you know, heading towards Italy and AC Milan or another team uh, if Milan can't fulfil it because um, I don't know if Rangers will fulfil the fixture. As I say, that's it's up to Rangers just to decide what they want to do, but take it as red, Celtic are going. Celtic or taking part in this, and I had the manager said himself, the Mark Schwarzer interview, that he he's very proud, and he said that that was a good sign because he would still be the manager in November. So yeah, it's uh, which which I thought was quite funny. Uh, uh, despite the way that, that well, the season could still have a happy ending or a sad one, but I think you take it as red that. Ange Postacoglu, no matter what happens between now and the end of the season, he will be the manager in November. He's certainly earned that and beyond. So uh, I think it's a wonderful thing for Ange and his family and the Celtic supporters who reside down under. It's it's March, and look at Jared just now. He's beside himself with the thought that his team's coming. Ah, you know, he's buzzing. So there you go. That,
3: that, That says it all. And I think seven and a half months, there you go. It's not like <laughs> it, i just <laughs> you get a
5: calendar and the, the crosses marked in the days, not quite
3: is, a bit later. Yeah. But I've got one thing that I wanted to ask you guys as well, just for a bit of insight for myself is I understand we had this discussion on our podcast, and what I'm trying to get my head around is one of the guys made a point, he's been out of Scotland for a while, and we're trying to figure out like, I understand the word friendly. And then the way it's being promoted by Optus over here using the the old firm tag, which now it's a Glasgow derby. We all know that. But my question is, and the thing that was brought up on our podcast was, if you've got an El Clasico being played in America, if you've got Manchester derby being played around the world, if you've got Boca Juniors and River Plate playing against each other in Mexico, you've got Celtic versus Rangers playing in Sydney. What's the difference between them, first of all? And is the hatred an overblown thing based on a the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl? Or is it an actual worldwide thing that we're going to find out over here in Sydney? Well, I, want, had, and I just want to find out what you guys think. I,
4: I, I wanted to bring this comment up because I was actually just about to talk about this very point, Jared. A- AJ SC Tech says, I disagree with the view that we cannot pr- play Rangers in a friendly game because that view seems only justified by hatred and that's not a good enough reason for me. I want to make something clear here when I'm speaking to people. I do not hate anybody because of the football team they play for or the football team they support. I think if you hate somebody because of a football team, then quite frankly, you're a moron. And I think to say that you can't play a team in a friendly because it's only justified by hatred is another
2: Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas. Visit Cox.comslash internet for details. This
0: week on The Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: To me, and Tony, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, the term friendly to me simply means a game which is not part of a competitive competition.
5: Not a competitive game. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a, um... It
4: do, it doesn't mean you have to play it in the spirit of of uh, liking the other team or anything like it. But equally, that doesn't mean that things have to stretch towards hatred. I think if you hate somebody because of the team they support, then I'm afraid that that's not that's not a train I'm willing to get on. We've we've, we've seen. We've seen the relationships between Tommy Burns, who, by the way, you know, there's an upcoming story about him at the King's Theatre that you can get tickets for. A hero of Celtic was a massive friend of another hero of Rangers, Walter Smith, who we sadly lost this year. I got a lot of stick online for um, reminiscing about, about Walter Smith, about being sad that he's passing, about being sad that a man who has a wife, sons and grandchildren was lost because apparently you can't do that as a Celtic supporter. I'm sorry, to say to say that you don't want Rangers to win or you don't want to uh, be cordial to Rangers in a football match is born out of hatred is just, is just a silly comment to make in my opinion. Tony, I'll hand over to you, but that's my understanding of a friendly is just simply a term to mean a non-competitive football match. It's nothing more or less than that to me.
5: I don't do hate, Lauren. It's not in my vocabulary to hate. And I think in terms of football, there's more to unite you than divide you. All, the only thing that's different is the colour of your scarf, or the colour of your jersey. I, 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 can't, I can't bring myself to ever hate someone at all, really. and certainly can't bring myself to hate anybody because of the football team they support. I just think that's a preposterous notion and it's the way I've been brought up, and if people don't like that, then there's not a lot I can say or, or do about that. I've always tried to be as professional as possible in my job. Everybody knows I'm a Celtic supporter, but I'm also a football journalist. But I uh, I call it as I see it, and to to use the word hate in terms of you know Celtic Rangers, then it's just as I say, it's it's not in my vocabulary. I'd never do it, and I've never ever done it, and never will. Uh, I I think, like everything else, in terms of competition, you respect your opponent. Tommy Burns did, Brendan Rodgers did, Martin Neil did, Jock did. So uh, you you can have a healthy respect. You, you you can not want your opponent to win. That's natural. Uh, that's just that's just rivalry, but. In terms of hate, nah, that I never bought into the whole hate fest about Celtic and Rangers, and and I never will. Cause lots of my friends are, are Ranger supporters, and and I've been lifelong friends. Everybody's the same, so uh, we we love a game of football. As I said, your colours are different. That's it. The team you support's different, you know. And in terms of the friendly. Celtic play Rangers in the Sydney Cup you know, think well it's not going to be a friendly
1: mm-hmm.
5: yeah, like, you know the, <laughs> I don't know if there's a trophy at stake, Jared will be able to tell me this if there's an actual piece of silverware or, or gold <laughs> whatever Just you get, it. you know it doesn't matter if Celtic and Rangers <laughs> play in a match both both teams will want to win it so it'll be a health for leather football match because they don't do friendlies do they? Let's be honest. Yes. It, well,
4: it's an intri- It's an interesting point that Jared raises because obviously, Jared, you're asking us our opinion and almost I feel as in the dark as you because it's not something we've ever experienced before. Celtic and Rangers have never played each other, to my knowledge, anywhere outside of Scotland and certainly not in a non-competitive match. So my, my feeling is, to give you a more direct answer, is that I don't think it'll have... The same intensity as, you know, a league decider or a Scottish Cup final or whatever, but it will have more intensity than an equivalent match between a Celtic and an AC Milan or a Rangers and a Tottenham Hotspur or uh, insert any name you want here. But yeah, I I don't know what you think of that, Jared. Whether you think it's th- what you would expect in or.
3: No, I know the game's going to be watered down anyway because the World Cup's on, like, we're going to be missing players. That that would be missing players. It's common sense. Like, you know, I wasn't born yesterday. I kind of know that and expect that. So I know it's not going to be the same as what we're going to have, you know, on the third or whatever it is of, of next month. It's going to be nothing like that. But at the same time, it's, a, well, what are we going to get and is this going to carry over? That's more what I was asking because, look, I hope it doesn't happen. But I know Celtic fans, we travel, we travel, we go anywhere. We have a sing song, have a few drinks, have a sing song. It's a great big party, right? So I know our side's going to be good. But what's it going to be like, as I said, between Sydney, the train lines and the stadium? Who knows? I
4: think, I think your question's as good as ours on that one. We'll just need to, just need to wait and see.
5: We'll find out in the fullness of time, Jared. We'll find out. In right, the I'm family. big enough, not enough
3: yeah. to handle myself. I'm good.
4: <laughs> Depends. Is a is a tinny in Australia bigger than a can of tenants over here?
3: <laughs> I don't think so.
4: <laughs> uh, but uh, Adelaide Tims uh, a countryman of yours I believe uh, Jared says I'm an Adelaide looking forward to Celtic coming down here he would rather he or she I should say would rather play another uh, big team uh, to come play in the competition I did think it would be interesting um, to see perhaps like AC Milan or something like that because obviously there's a big Italian expat community out in Australia but you know perhaps a Greek team to to match the the Ange um, Greek expat community out in Australia and I understand I think there's a big Croatian expat community out there we obviously had Mark Viduca back
3: in the day there's, um, there's massive like their old league the old NSL was founded by you know expat clubs you had like Melbourne Knights which was where Viduca was Croatia you had South Melbourne and come from there the Greeks you had Marconi's the Italians you had a bunch of other teams all with their different backgrounds there's couple more Croatian teams There's a Serbian team there's English teams out in Perth and in and in Adelaide there's all sorts so yeah it's um it's gonna be interesting but yeah I I don't think you get a Greek team to go to Sydney because the largest Greek community in the world outside of Greece is in Melbourne mm-hmm. so you're, you're going the wrong place you're probably better off getting Sydney or getting an Italian team to go to Sydney or I don't know Maybe a German team or something, because there's a few of them there. Who knows?
4: But an interesting one to see. I mean, Australia is a melting pot. So I'm sure no matter where the teams are from, you could find a you could find an ex pack community in Australia to to turn out for them. But it's just an interesting thought that maybe it would have been a better use of that, uh, that extra slot to to try and capitalise on that. But we will wait and see. It may may still happen yet and um, we'll go back to to more pressing matters for Celtic um and, and look both at the most recent games and and ahead at uh, the upcoming match which obviously is the Rangers match at Ibrox on the 3rd of April. Tony, I'll come to you. Um the Ross County match the other night although we talked about, you know, the team being up and down in the last few weeks, the Dundee United match and the the Ross County match, you know, Some of the football's not been the most exciting in the world, but I would say the word I would use to describe the way we've performed recently is convincing. I've never felt, uh, you know, worried that we're we're going to suffer a defeat in the past few weeks. Do you think the Celtic team, Tony, is finding their feet just at the right time? Do you think we're kind of settling into a rhythm that hopefully can carry us through to the end of the season? Or am I being, as I like to be, too optimistic?
5: (laughs) Oh, and I Jarred. I kind of told you so about Ange. Ange kind of told us so, didn't he? That this team would peak at the business end of the season, mm-hmm. and I think the performances since Livingston have pointed towards that. Now the litmus test comes at Ibrox, it's a week and Sunday, doesn't it? So yeah. And uh, but what you are, you're going into that pretty brimming with confidence. Trust the manager. You trust the players. Depending on how the international break pans out, and what personnel you have, but going back to Jared's original point that we now have strength and depth, so you're kind of like, well, if players get injured or are missing, we have players of equal or better quality to come in to the side, so you're not as worried as you would have been earlier in the season when we did get those injuries and you you went to Ibrox and only narrowly lost 1-0. So the manager's kind of signposted it all along, hasn't he?
1: Mm-hmm. And he
5: said, this team will peak at this part of the season because in Australia they used to peak for the grand final. Is that right? edge hey Jared, you'll correct me
3: on that. They, that's, that's, of- not, that's what normally would happen. Yeah the, yeah, the finals over here, it's usually four weeks sort of thing. Yeah. But most teams are trying to peak for the two or three weeks leading in, which gets us to where we are in the season now where once we come out of the international break, two games and the, the five games after the split, they, there's your seven games, which is your couple and your final series. Yeah, he was the equivalent. So the manager has said he wants the Celtic team to
5: peak for these games. So in, in relation to the performances, I thought Livingston was terrific. I thought Dundee United do well, never in any danger. And then in Ross County on Saturday, I, I thought they made light work of Ross County. And some of the play at times was particularly scintillating. There was a move with Maeda, a couple of flicks. And mm-hmm. Matt O'Reilly shot past the post. And it would have been one of the football goals of the season. I was actually cursing Matt O'Reilly for missing. Uh, but hey, you can't have perfection. But And then I touched upon it on Monday with uh, Giacomacchus. And I touched upon his second goal in particular. The the instinct, you know, the striker's take the spatial awareness. Not only the header that comes off the player on the line, but then he guides his eyes away. Mm-hmm. and guides the header that way so that it won't hit the defender on the line again when the temptation would have been just to head it back straight where it came from and you would hit the defender again. But you had the presence of mind all in a split second. That presence of mind, strikers, instinct, spatial awareness to guide it into the corner. And then obviously the, the first head that I said he was up on Friday night. He was that early. that uh, <laughs> you know, No one else was winning that, that ball, you know. So you can just see things coming together, can't you? You don't want to say too much because you could go to Ibrooks and get your face slapped. You know, these yep. things can happen but I think in terms of the way Celtic are shaped and the fetal that they're going into Ibrox with you couldn't really ask for anything more could you? Maybe apart from Kyogo being fully fit but then again could he would he, will he over to the manager on that one but uh, I, I think most Celtic supporters are quietly confident that Celtic can go to Ibrox and get a result and, and I don't mean a draw, I mean a win. I've spoken about that as well. But the mindset people are saying, we'll take a draw. And why take a draw? Why not go there and win and try and make the running easier on yourselves? And I think I think this moment in time, self support that this team are capable of going to Ibrox and winning.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Red Scotland says on YouTube, it uh, concerned me if I was a Rangers fan that regardless of the Ibrox result, they will still only be second in the league and that is last place. And I think I agree with you, Tony, there that regardless of the fact that we would still remain ahead, even if we were beat... Um, I would still be going out there to, to beat them and take three points off them and make make the gap even bigger. Um, but that's just that's just the nature of things. And that is not because I hate anybody, but just because I want to beat our our rivals. But
5: Jared will tell you that's the nature of the manager, isn't it? He's going to win. Drawstone
3: The way it. he would, the way he would look at it would be, okay, we're going there to win the game. We're yeah. going there to get three points. We've got the In players play. to do it, we've got the way we play. It's all there to be played for. Let's go have a fed and crack at it and get it. Yep. Worst case scenario, we come out of there with a point each, right? And that's his worst case. Is what he'd be thinking. We yep. come out of there a point each. All that does is takes one less game for them to bring pull back those points. So a draw is as as, as good as a win in that regard because it's less chances for them to close the gap. Yep. But at the same time, you'd still be playing for the win. Yeah, yeah. It's actually,
5: isn't it? That's the way he approaches every game. So yep. that's why that I say that, Celtic supporters are pretty confident in the manager, and now they're confident in the squad of players to go out and be able to handle that occasion this time round.
4: Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought of, of like, you know, you don't doubt how Ange will approach it. The only thing you sometimes doubt or question is what what exactly his selection is, is going to be, which we'll go on to for Ibrox in a little minute. But before we do that, um, just to, to build on what Tony's been saying, Jared, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Obviously, the strap line there says, have Celtic finally sussed out how to overcome teams who park the bus? Obviously, in recent weeks, we've had we've had victories over Ross County and Livingston, specifically two teams who we've struggled to beat earlier in the season because you know we spent so much of the early season as a counter-attacking team, as a team who explo- exploited wide open spaces and teams who attacked against us. We struggled against the teams who really you know played that low block and 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 struggled to break them down. But we seem to be overcoming that. Is that something that you've seen and? In, in the way that we've been playing recently and what do you think the reason for that is?
3: I think it's the um the fact that we've got a settled defense allows us to throw a bit more caution in the wind going forward. Like we haven't been leaking goals. Yes, we've got a couple of centre backs who misplaced the old pass here and there, but at the end of the day, that side of it is settled. We know that's good so that we can throw our we can tuck one one, you know, like tuck Ralston in if we need to and tell Taylor to push forward or whatever so we can do that which is good because then that allows us to do those overlaps and then the biggest thing for me
2: mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with Cox Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ucla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Is these guys are start, have got that run of games playing together because there's a lot of new players, so now they're starting to understand the intricacies of, okay, in this situation, O'Reilly's going to run here. is going to be here. That, things to look for. Jakimakis is going to be somewhere between the six-yard box and the penalty spot. Let's look to get across into his head there. And I think he's a big factor in it as well, Jakimakis. He's the sort of striker, especially with teams are sitting back in two rows of, of five. We haven't had that sort of striker. God knows how long. Look, honestly, I can't remember us having one. Like, he reminds me a little bit of Hartson. He reminds me mm-hmm. a bit of hislink that sort of centre forward. We need someone in the box there. And we haven't had that in that long that I think that's making a big factor because he can get out there and rough guys up, but then at the same time he's got the skills to – He's a finisher in the box. He can put the ball in the net, whether it's with his head, with his left foot, his right foot, whatever. So I think that's also a big factor as well.
4: It's an an interesting point there, Tony. What what do you make of what Jared said there about about Gigi? Is is he offering something significantly different to what we've had recently? Or is he he much of a mould of of other strikers we've had in the past?
5: He's kind of, Mould of a lot of guys, but he certainly it Celtic something different. There's 12 goals he's got in every one of them, a one-touch finish, isn't
3: mm-hmm, it
5: mm-hmm. No mucking you know, around, there, just
3: get the ball in
5: the net. Guy, <laughs> you know, so you take that every day of the week, but you look at the calibre of goals, you know, the headed goals last week, with that striker's instinct, The one it, and I talk about the one at Timecastle a lot, because the way he scooped the ball over the defender's trailing leg. He managed to scoop it up and over it. Eh, presence of mind. These are all split-second strikers' instinct. Bang! It's in the net. One touch. You know, if the, the ball's on the money, then the header from Ralston's cross against Dundee for the perfect hat trick. Just threw himself at that football. do not matter if there was a boot or a goalkeeper coming out. He was winning that header. Mm-hmm. To sure the winning goal. So you have a, a hybrid of a lot of strikers in there, eh, molded into one guy and you know you you can now understand why he was a top scorer in the early division last season and this was was the club that got relegated you no know, he came and he got injured and he he got covered as well Then he got ill and you know that it was a lackadaisical nature of the penalty against Livingston that a lot of people were really annoyed with because they felt in the grand scheme of that it could be very crucial in the season. And uh, and ironically, I thought his penalty against Ross County wasn't much better. It just so happened to well, keep him in the wrong way. I was,
4: I was just <laughs> so, about to say that Tony. If, it, if if he scores the goal against uh, the penalty against Livingston, he's a cool customer and he's a cool yeah, cucumber. Yeah, yeah. But he misses it, and then the yeah, one yeah. goes on against Ross County, and it's a different story, you know.
5: Yeah, of course, so but I, uh, you can't doubt that he's a pest, isn't he? He's a mm-hmm. nuisance. And he's got a lot of things in his armory which he can do. And as Jared said there, yeah, you 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 know, you, you strikers always get compared to who they look like. And certainly in Celtic mould he has a Jan Venegura, John Hartson type, isn't he? A big physical, powerful presence, which he's got you, the subtle
3: touch, that's the thing though, as well. Yeah, touch
5: the box. He's got a subtle touch actually in the box for you know a good touch for a big guy, that kind of cliche, you know, but he,
3: he actually has. My favourite know. goal that he scored for us, Tony, was the one where he's run to the near post and then he's heeled it in. Like that was one of his first goals for us. And still to me, that showed that he's got the touch yeah. and the wherewithal to yeah. know, okay, I'm not going to get much time. How can I get my foot on this and beat the goalkeeper and the defender? So he's got a brain and he's got a quick reaction time. So yeah. to me, that showed that there was a player there early days. Yeah, so you, and now
5: it's all been married together and he's having this wee goal run and goal glut, you know, two back-to-back hat-tricks at Celtic Park for himself. And now he's top to talk about Rangers, hasn't he? So he now has to go to Ibrox and walk the walk. But he's a confident guy and he's done everything. Bar score against Rangers in the 3-0 game, Alan McGregor was pulling off unbelievable stops and he must wonder what he had to do to score. But, you know, he can go to Ibrox and really cement his reputation because that's, that's where guys, kinda, you know, legends are made and heroes are made. And and, it, and I'm sure he knows that. So, and he, he's certain, well, I see not say certain, but he's more or less going to be given the nod. He'll be leading the line. So go and make a name for yourself and go and take Celtic a step closer towards a title by, by winning at Ibrox.
3: I've got a comment for Laura here then. You know, he gets the, 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 the game winner at Ibrox, you know, tops off for all you <laughs> ladies. There you go. There's your Greek Adonis right there, dominating. There you yeah. go. I think everyone will be happy if that happens.
4: Well, I was going to say, I, I wouldn't object to it. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah, it, talk, it talking. To-
5: he <laughs> was, was a Greek god, wasn't he? And, and Ange. Flippantly said, "All right, so you're talking about him, not me." (laughs)
4: That's
5: That's why I went
3: and said, "I don't want to upset Ange." Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
4: Oh, do you know what? As long as we get the goals against Rangers, I'm not caring who takes our top off. That's fine. Uh, anybody will do. Um, uh, talking about looking back, um, some of the comments coming in. Urban Culture says we're full of confidence now. That's the difference in previous yeah. matches. Um, that, and Tony, you're talking about Yakimakis uh, being full of that confidence as well. And talking about um, Ange and his attitude towards the game at Ibrox. Green Lefty, Green he says Ange doesn't know how to play for a draw. He'll be going full tilt, which I think is. In agreement with what we said. Um, just looking ahead to iBrooks, Jared, I'm going to put you in the spot here, but Peter McGee um, says, whichever 11 start at iBrooks, we know it will be a strong team, any post-international injuries aside. Just don't play Roderick and O'Reilly together, please, Ange. And then Steve J on YouTube says specifically, so who does Jared think starting 11 will be at iBrooks? No
5: pressure. Uh, okay.
4: Go for it, Tony has to do it every week. Let's let's see what your what your uh, thoughts are, Jared, on that one.
3: All right, back line will be Harding goals. We'll have Taylor, Starfelt, vickers and Juranovic because we need another fireball moment.
4: Okay.
3: Um, Kelmac, you'll have hmm, Rogic won't be out there because looks like he's still hurt. So we'll have O'Reilly, McGregor, and then. Do I go with Biton and push McGregor forward? That's what I'm more leaning towards. Or do I go with mm-hmm. Atade? That's that's the question in the midfield. Then up front, you'll have Maeda left. You'll have um, Jodder out right, and Jacka in the middle.
4: I've got to say, I don't disagree with most of that. I think, like like what you've said, Jared. The the big question will be Biton or Atade. And, and by extension, where where McGregor goes. Now, we had a bit of discussion about that last week, um, Tony, on the pod with regard to Beaton's position in the team, um, where McGregor plays best. Are, are you stuck the way Jared seems to be about what that selection should be? Are you a bit more certain in your mind about how you would approach it, Ibrooks, in terms of personnel in midfield?
5: It's O'Reilly, and McGregor for me.
4: Full stop. There you go.
5: Yeah, you're going to win the game, and I think those guys give you a chance, a better chance of winning the game. There's, there's three match winners there in your midfield, and I think so. that's taken out with the, the match winners that you have in the front line. So, but I so, think those, yeah, go on, Jared.
3: the back of that, Tony, are you thinking that the midfield's going to be the main battle? Because for me, I see their biggest weakness is they want to come and attack us, and. I went for pure speed on the left and with Jota out right because uh, their biggest weakness will be getting in behind their centre-backs, uh, not their centre-backs, getting in behind their, their wing-backs and allowing that those crosses to come in to Giacomacchus in a one-on-one situation. So that, I think the key thing for us is going to be clogging that midfield so we can get out wide and, and get in uh, behind them. That's the key.
5: I just don't trust Beaton to behave himself when I'm a game of that magnitude. You
3: know? Yeah, that's why I'm doubting it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think the other three will be well disciplined, and I think our, our you know, and if it comes to that, I I, I think we could outscore them, but but like that. I think we could have what Dan Oliver said, you know, one of those three-two-four-three five-four jobs, you know, <laughs> if it if it came to that. I mean, I don't think it will, but I was I would put money on Celtic scoring more than them if it comes to one of those kind of ding dong matches. I just. I just think there's a confidence and a swagger about Celtic at, the, at this minute. You know, it's not an arrogance. It's just guys that are, you know, they're comfortable in their own skin and their own role in the team. And the manager, it comes from the manager. So I just think that whatever he plays, and, and that's no slight on Beaton because he was great against Livingston. So if Beaton has to come into the team. Then fine. You know, I'm just about more wary when he is in the team. Yeah. He, of him doing something stupid, like he has in the past. but uh,
4: yeah.
5: I just think that, because I, I agree with the front line and uh, the back four, so that's that's non-negotiable at this moment in time, you know, allowing for an international break to come and go and everybody being unscathed.
3: So, well, uh, fast, yeah. One other thing then, do you think, because of, the reason I'm considering Biton and Hatare is because I think we're a bit wee in the midfield, we're a bit small. So yeah. Is beaten coming in to help with the defence? Like, there's a comment here that needs to be defending the set pieces? Yeah. I don't know. That's one of many factors. I'm just an armchair expert over here in, you know, Mm -hmm. over here in Melbourne, and Andrew's the boss. He (laughs) will knows what he's doing, so I trust him no matter what. But, yeah, I think that's the only one I'm unsure on.
5: The set pieces could be important because we lost to one the last time we went to Ibrox. So, you know, do you bring Beaton in for that height alone when you're defending your own? areas as well so that I guess that, and that's that's the conduit that Ange poster has for Ibrox isn't it and the, horse, the, the horses for Corsi's team that he's going to pick to, to win the football match you know so um, uh, yeah but I don't think you'll be far off with that selection to be honest
4: yeah, I, w- I, would, I would agree with that. I think it'll probably be somewhere around that, if not exactly that. Um, but Jared, just to pick up on a point you made about you know us breaking them down and the way they're likely to play, Brown Warrior says they're hoping to soak up pressure for 45 minutes and then win the second half as they tried at Celtic Park. That, to me, looking at Rangers over the season seems to be A lot of the reason why they've had such success in Europe is that they've camped in and then hit teams on the break, much bigger teams who they know are going to come and attack them. And conversely, it's why they've struggled in the league is because they don't have teams coming out to attack them. They've been camping in against these teams, hoping to hit them on the counter-attack when the other team is doing exactly the same thing and it really doesn't work. So, Jared, the thing I was going to ask was... Bearing in mind what you've said and the fact that that seems to be the way Rangers play, how do we counteract that going into the game? Do we just have to stick to our game or is there a, is there a difference in the way that we have to play to to try and counteract what they're going to try and do?
3: We've got to not do what we did last time where Ibrox and have both of our left and right back duck into the midfield and mm. and both been you know, tucking in as midfielders like we did early days, but we've improved a lot since then. so. I think it's more about balance and communication and just working as a team, the back half of the field, because going forward, I'm not really worried about that. Yeah, they'll sit deep, but they're not going to sit deep. They're behind us in the league. They need to score. They need to try and get an early goal or get a goal so they can try and close the gap. So they have to come out and play. So they're going to sit deep, but then they're going to try and hit us on the counter. It's how quickly we can press and win that ball back and then get into those weak spots that I was saying about in behind Tavernier and whoever their other other back guy playing, what's what's Tavernier, right back? So the left back is getting behind them. If we can press and then get into those gaps early, we're fine. But then defensively, if they do beat the press, it's a matter of all hands on deck. Like we saw last time at Celtic Park where there was one time Hatade is back at left back. He's working there. And then next thing you know, he's up the other end of the field. So it's about working as a team more than anything trust the process, trust the system, follow our engine, you know, to keep doing what we've been doing, and I'm sure we'll get the win.
4: Yeah, that's certainly what we hope for. Um, uh, and, you know, although we've not got the match until next week, you can certainly join us on a Celtic State of Mind uh, next week or so for the daily bulletins, as always, and for the build-up to the big game. Um, Jared, thanks for joining us. You're on, uh, is it Celts Down Under's, the name of your pod? Just remind us where we can find you.
3: Yeah, just uh, Celtic Down Under, uh, pods on YouTube and all the podcast apps, easy enough to find. Just look for the logo behind me. Brilliant.
4: Yeah. Uh, There it is. It's a rather aggressive-looking kangaroo, but I I like it anyway. Um, Tony, where can we find your stuff, if if we don't know already? Uh,
5: Well, you can find my stuff on the Celtic Way, www.celticway.co.uk.
4: That sounds like my kind of stuff I have to say And don't forget everybody If you follow us on all the socials You'll know that um, A state of mind media Has just announced Our first ever music uh, festival To take place in August In Edinburgh And the headliners will be none other than Scottish legendary band Glass Vegas So if you haven't already seen that Get get involved to Get online And see if you can get your tickets I believe it's £15 a ticket And it'll be taking place On the 18th of August 2022 So if you've not yet done anything Out in public because of everything that's going on in the last couple of years, uh, what better chance to, to get back out amongst your kinfolk than to take in some live music um, at our first ever um, festival and the proceeds will be going to a good cause as well, which is always nice to hear. Um, thanks guys for joining us. This has been a Celtic State of Mind on a Friday and we will see you all again very, very soon. <laughs>